hi Jordan it's so nice um to be actually talking although it's again through a screen yeah it's good to be talking to you as well Gemma um so I'm Gemma Desai I'm one of the programmers at Berwick um and I'm just really really truly honored to be in conversation with Jordan Lord who's the director of shared resources we're gonna have a conversation which I hope is really just very intuitive because as I was saying to Jordan just before we started recording, it's been really hard to write a set of interview questions or whatever it is that I do when I do these things because this film has really been truly such an important piece of work to me. It's really echoed some of the feelings and questions that I've been sitting with. It's given me language to articulate it with. I don't know, it's asked me to do better in the things that I do, which is my curatorial work, but also just in also in my family dynamics as well, actually, because it's such a personal piece of work. A lot of the family dyna- dynamics that you grapple with, Jordan, I really relate to. Um, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as we go. Just before we started recording, to get us started, we used an Oracle deck and we pulled a card, um, and the card that we pulled was the Divine Feminine. And I think it was a really interesting prompt for me because when I was reading the copy that I wrote for the film, for our website, I was struck actually by how I had focused in on your relationship with your dad. But actually when I close my eyes and think about like the scenes that most stay with me they are actually scenes with your mum and and I I really think about her voice and um, I think about how much access she affords the viewer Mm. I don't know I think that your mum in a way really (laughs) drew attention to like I don't know if I'm describing this right but like my conscience in the film so there were moments when she was describing herself Um, with the audio description where I really remembered that all of the assumptions I make about a scene and I thought she was so brilliant at narrating she's just such a great person that articulates such complex things and she acts as this translator between you and your dad often in terms of the ways that you use language differently so yeah I just guess um, just to start with your mum and the role that she played in this film coming together. Yeah, it's it's interesting because as you were speaking, um, I was thinking, uh, I'm, I'm very much like in teacher brain right now because I just started teaching two classes and very much at the last minute. And in both classes, I was trying to teach uh, my students, or not teach them, but, uh, you know, discuss with them Lorraine O'Grady's piece, Art Is, uh, which is, you know, this performance where, on the occasion of like the African American uh, African American Day Parade in Harlem in 1983, um, she had like a group of performers each carrying a frame, and they would like as they were walking by, they would each like frame what was going on. And um, you know, I often think about the way that audio description functions in the film, but also in general as like another kind of frame. But then, of course, what that piece is really brilliant at showing is like everything that the frame can contain, you know, and it's something that I think about a lot in relation to this kind of really beautiful idea of the surround that um, Fred Moten and Stefano Harney talk about and the undercommons, which is just like 
all that politics can't contain. It's like a social life that precedes and kind of surrounds every attempt at enclosure that politics or property um, kind of seeks to impose on the world. And maybe this is too abstract, but I guess a lot of what I was feeling and thinking about as you were speaking, Gemma, is like the ways in which my mom, of course, like the audio description that she provides, like acts as, as these frames that like crop the moment at different times and they're kind of like little cuts into it, but also in a very important way and this kind of translation function that you're describing and also just like all of the work that she's doing behind the scenes to make it possible even for my dad and I to have these conversations. I really feel like she demonstrates this kind of like wealth of like social life and the surround that like the frame like can't possibly contain anytime you're not seeing her she's still very much there kind of creating the conditions of possibility for the film itself if that makes sense yeah no it really does it really does I think like I think what is really wonderful actually about what you're talking about is also something I guess like just personally that I'm sitting with as as a mother at the moment is just like primary caregivers are often the witnesses to people's needs um, and the witnesses to their needs not being met, as, as well as the, the people that need to address that, right? So kind of what you were describing was like the way of having to describe that you're, in a way that your your father doesn't, won't let himself. And I really recognise that with my own father, right, who has had very challenging circumstances in his life, very pragmatic person, very much like, you know, this is the right thing and this is what we'll do and we're good people and we'll be okay. Um, But your mum is this witness to the ways that things aren't fair and the things that are contradictory and um, sitting in those contradictions and, and mirroring them back despite this pragmatism and the weight of articulation, right, that that is so necessary but it takes so much energy and she is she takes on so much of that narration in the film. Yeah, she does. I mean, she literally is both like describing for herself and for my dad, you know, and, and in so many ways like you hear this kind of like care that she's extending of like making sure that the audience is, you know, she can't possibly control this, but like she's trying to of like making sure that the audience sees my dad the way that he wants to be seen on some level. You know, she understands that this narration is going to ultimately like reframe how people are going to watch the film. And my dad is insistent that it won't, right? Like that, you know, like words don't change images. Mm -hmm. And my mom said is like very much the opposite. She fully understands this is going to change everything about the way that people see it. And my dad is sort of like, um, rejected this opportunity to reframe the images from his perspective and so in these moments I hear her like obviously she's describing herself and her perception but when I hear her and like my dad's like just like in a very not that um like interesting of a shot of like me and my dad like looking at each other in an interview um you know she's like he's so composed like look at him with his hands folded you know and it's like I get that she's seeing like we're seeing how she sees him but we're also seeing her trying to do something for him, you know, of like making sure that he is perceived as like the articulate, composed person he wanted to be seen as in the film and felt very like kind of expropriated from in the the contrast between how he thought he was going to be represented in the film and then how he was, you know, as someone who is also 
experiencing disability as someone who is also subject to the, yeah, the austerity and um, uh, contingency and precarity of capitalism. Mm. I guess that it's also this mirror as well of the um, what you describe actually is, I guess, the care of the mirror that she brings up, but also that that is also replicated in the work that you are doing as a filmmaker and the choices that you make in making this film. And I just was interested in how you described that because all of that care is then replicated in the distances that you film from or the choices that you give to your family to describe themselves. And could you talk a little bit about those those strategies and how they came about? Like did did because you you have this ongoing interest in like the ways that things like audio description, captions can be like an aesthetic choice, right? And drive the aesthetics of a film anyway. But in the context of making a film about your family, was this a continuation of an interest or did it actually give you a possibility to do it, right? A possibility to care for the image of your family? I knew I wanted the film to include description. Maybe to call it an act of care would be like an overstatement or a flattening because it's like access is both care, but also um, runs through all of these different sort of infrastructural relations that sometimes include the standards and like best practices, but also sometimes is literally about like unworking a structure from the inside. But for me, it really started from a very practical consideration of the fact that my dad was losing his vision. You know, I made this film over a five-year period. I didn't know, you know, the extent to which my dad would still have um, the capacity to see the images in the film. And so I wanted to make sure that by the time it was finished, that there would be something that would be for him. But then, of course, it was also a way of, like, linking out my dad's experience as someone who very much does not identify as disabled. I mean, we recently talked about it. I mean, he very adamantly says, I am not disabled, even though he receives disability benefits, even though, you know, other people who experience um the the health conditions that he has you know do identify as disabled even though like i identify as disabled as someone who doesn't have like nearly as many access barriers on a day-to-day basis and so there was a way of like trying to make a connection between his experience and you know the audiences and communities that i belong to around disability that was less an act of care but more like trying to like share him out or share out this experience beyond the ways in which it's so frequently isolated and individuated, Um, you know, the experience of impairment. Um, But then also in terms of like how, you know, these strategies of like withholding or adding something as a means of like, you know, protecting someone and how, you know, these images of my finger over the lens, basically, um, you know, that become a way of simultaneously being able to continue to include material that I feel is important for the film to include. And at the same time, like, you know, honoring my dad's wishes to not be shown in a certain way. I definitely think about those as acts of care, but I also think about them as like inextricable from those moments of access um, because something that I think access is really about that those moments is also about is not only this kind of like this space of opacity 
um, like where, you know, a description or a caption, I mean, it's literally occluding part of something, you know, it like becomes more opaque in order to become more legible. There's also this element of like someone being a means for another person. Uh, this kind of like eclipse of the camera lens with like my body, I really wanted that to be a very direct material representation of a thing that I think access is always about, which is this kind of this kind of moment of like indistinction between um, or like non-separation, I think would be the word, like, you know, to kind of use, you know, the term that Denise Ferreira Silva has talked about, like difference without separability, um, that like these moments of care, access, whatever it makes sense to call them are, I mean, we certainly couldn't be more different in some sense, but like there's like literally an impossibility to separate us in this moment of like, I'm acting as the means by which I'm very much like emphasizing the means by which like I am this thing that is simultaneously giving the audience access to my dad and also like in the way of that too, right? Like I'm always framing that via my, uh, you know, my position in the world, my perspectives and so to kind of create that moment of eclipse where like maybe some of these things get collapsed or, you know, that, that space is allowed to remain opaque of like, you know, my dad is in there, my mom is in there, you know, my dad having the experience, like, you know, a bodily experience, he didn't want to represent it on camera. Like that's behind the image of my finger over the lens. There's like, you know, my mom and sister describing it. Um, there's, you know, the captions on the screen and then there's, uh, you know, just like literally like the blood (laughs) inside my finger. And like, there's this kind of inseparable, um, yeah, like just like this inseparable material there that is very, yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't have like a way of articulating it beyond just like the the way in which it like demonstrates it or something, this, uh, this space of like closeness or intimacy doesn't actually have like one specific emotional or like even like moral or ethical charge it just is somehow and that's the thing that I was you know and that's a lot of how I think of that access as well yeah I, I think it's really interesting this word access as well right so like and because this film is really as I am like so interested in the work that language does and um the work that language does even when we think that we understand what a word means. So this idea of access is really interesting because, you know, it's loaded with, um, it's loaded with many meanings in this film. So one is like documentary filmmakers are often applauded for their access to their subjects, you know, oh, this film had incredible access to its subjects. And then I guess what you're describing is this sort of ambivalent praise of a film that has elements that are accessible and then just which ties really I think to this question that you pose in the film which is around what does it mean to owe each other everything in the sense of um, in a way what does it mean for everything to be accessible and at the same time everything is accessible is like this this thing that you just said about like it just is um, and that scene that you describe actually is really striking to me because that is that that tension of wanting to be seen not wanting to be seen being represented not wanting to be represented wanting to represent your f- family but also wanting to protect them is all part of 
any moving image, any piece of art, right? That tension exists, but it's never visible or, or yeah. Um, so this question about what we owe to each other is always present, but never visible. Like access is also like inseparable from debt. In the model of access, you're talking about like access to the lives of other people. It couldn't be more obvious the ways in which the filmmaker owes the people who, you know, agree to like let their lives be documented on camera. Um, you know, maybe there is also a debt that goes another way of like, you know, the, the this person wouldn't be able to like, you know, necessarily see themselves represented without this set of decisions that are being made uh, around the filmmaking, but that's like, that's less what I'm even thinking about. It's more like the ways in which like this, like being a means for one another, like it's debt, you know? And, and it's like, it's not a debt that can be repaid. It's a debt that like actually increases the more <laughs> that like you're in relation, you know? And it's like actually the notion of like, not accountability in the sense of like being ethical, but accountability in the sense of like the account, like the, you know, the like taking something that is like, uh, you know, beyond measure, a means beyond measure and like reducing it to its, um, you know, this is what the contracts try to do, right? Like it tries to take something that's like a knot or an entanglement and like straighten it out into like, this is two parties that we're putting together and meeting in this particular way and defining the terms under which like that relationship um, can tessellate and permeate into the future, even while knowing that like, even from the beginning, that relationship like can't possibly be separated into such like a neat divide of like this party, that party and the interests that they each entail. Um, so yes, I think like, that's like a really clear way to understand the ways in which access is debt. And then I think the, the more complicated ones are like, you know, disability itself, you know, and how disability is this, you know, it's like a kind of privileged space to feel this debt from within, but privileged, like in the opposite sense of like how it's ordinarily applied, like this kind of, um, like an immeasurable, wealth not a value like a there's like an excess there you know a space to feel the step from within and not in ways that are always positive right like often how access is enacted is as like forms of debt that like are really extractive and like don't feel good at all these like emotional forms of extortion, you know, are something that disabled people are often put in the position of. And this is why it's actually often so difficult to ask for, like, support or care. Everything in this relationship of debt is, like, also under the threat of, like, being enclosed by, you know, the ways in which capitalism tries to convince us that we need to be independent, individual, you know, whatever. Um, and, And also the ways in which we know that that isn't true if we were actually in any of those relations in, in, in any relationship you know that's a, that scene is like a complicated moment but like that actually like kind of just gets to every aspect of like you know what's like not being shown is like you know me helping my dad in like an act of like physical care or access but it's like you know within that there is like these good debts that like you know our entanglement as like parent and child our entanglement as two people who love each other our entanglement as like 
caregiver, care receiver. Um, and then there's also, you know, these things around like the film and, you know. And and you, you actually started to talk about another pivotal scene, actually, which is this scene with the contract. I think what the film also does, which is related to this, is draw attention to things that are in plain sight through the act of just attending to them, right? So one example is like, you know, sometimes when you're doing descriptions of scenes, you will draw attention to certain things that we have invisibilized, but we might have noticed, but you draw attention to them. For instance, when you when you draw attention to that, there is only one black person in, in a whole crowd of people or or you draw attention to the fact that we've only seen white people all through this film by, by this act of description, right? Um, but I think there's something really interesting about this scene with your family and the contract because you are drawing attention to what is signed away. You're drawing attention to a set of responsibilities. Um, I guess what is really interesting about that scene is, is that you know, sometimes as artists, as thinkers, as educators, there's such like energy in making those um, things visible, articulating them. But having that conversation with your parents is so fascinating to me because then you see that there is this whole structure around us. There is this whole set of internalizations that we inherit that are that are part of our world too, right? So um, it doesn't matter that you've named it because now we have to believe it and we have to change it, right? Yeah, and it's also really interesting too, like these internalizations like extend so far beyond the initial sphere in which they're made or something. As much of like what's making these like industrial standards is not just like what our filmmakers doing, but also like what do like people who are ordinarily not involved in the process of films like think of as like, just like common sense or something like there's something really interesting about the fact that my dad is like as a non-filmmaker like so and I guess it's because of like what he did as a banker like I mean that he sort of made the point for me that like there is such like a clear set of comparisons to be made between the logics of like how banking accounts for debt and doesn't account for debt and how any kind of like industrial like form of exchange that's mediated by a contract does it as well and filmmaking just being like you know the closest one to me like no filmmaker would do this and it's like he's you know it's not like he knows a lot of other filmmakers um you know even though it's not like this is a this is a field that he works within he's like very confident that he can make this determination and it's because I think those determinations they're they're like world making in that way they run through and beyond their immediate sphere. And so exactly as you say, it's like, okay, so now you have, like, I have this idea and I think it like makes sense, but even just like trying to convince uh, my parents who like are going to be innately supportive of like what I want to do and are invested in my like success in this way that they, you know, they talk about, um, yeah, it's interesting how, you know, the fact that I wasn't able to convince them that this is the right thing. The reason why is because these financial systems do still, like, run through our relationships. Like, it is actually the clearest moment in the film where it's like, this isn't just about 
um, the intentions that these people set. It isn't just about like the care or the love that they have for each other. Like those are the things I like to focus on and, and like to think surround the financial and the political. This is a totally different set of ethics, um, not just in terms of like, what am I going to offer my parents? Like that, you know, you could potentially doubt as the audience that like I would offer to someone I don't have as intimate of a relationship with. They're going to ultimately be more okay with whatever it is that I choose to do because they have this financial investment in, or it's, it's an emotional investment in the financial like success of the film for me, you know? And it's like, we've had conversations about like, you know, wanting to share honoraria with them or like, you know, things like this. And they're constantly just like, no, we don't want any of the money, you know, and, and are always putting it back on me. And and then it's like, you know, it would be really silly for me to think that like, you know, just by sheer will or intention that I can like change those like fundamental aspects of like how our relationships are overdetermined or underdetermined by ideas about money that they have and about like the ways in which our relationships are a very particular kind of like emotional arrangement, but also like a really particular kind of financial arrangement as well. I think it's just really fascinating hearing you talk about that because it just, I'm just thinking about my own journey with like that scene um, and how that then played in to the programming process this year, right? So I was really struck by this idea of what if you didn't release all your responsibilities towards something instead of um, asking them to judge pieces of work or to present them, you ask people to be in relation with work and what would that look like, right? And in really a similar way, like came across exactly what you described is like, that we all want this when we watch a piece of work, but when it comes to really, it's about what do you lose? What status do you lose, right? So for them, in a way, they are defending your status. Your your father is defending your status as a filmmaker. Your mum is uh, defending your financial status in some way, which is part of your status as a human being. You know, like they both have, have really been on the receiving end of what that does to your status, you know? Um, in society and they don't want you to go through the same thing so yeah for us it was really interesting because it was like it was this real push for me to really think about how are we dividing and how are we uniting in our process but then that requires us to give up certain things so one of the things which was really interesting was around like you know really thinking actually we have like a lot of language of like like colonial language and language of criminal justice within our our festival how do we get rid of it right but you realize that that is part of the the status making of the festival too it 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 underlines in the background regardless of how ethical we think we are it is our power in a way right and so you go through this process of giving up your power and that is a fearful process, regardless of it not really taking anything material away. It is a fearful process because the whole world hasn't changed around you. And I was thinking about like this term, like that I've come back to, like Mariam Carber's hope is a discipline. Really thinking about that as something that I thought about when I rewatched that scene, actually, that you are hopeful that you can do your work in a different way. 
Right. But you just see the discipline of that hope. Right. And and I think it's like, it, as much as it's just, you know, hope, it's like also like learning, like what, like, what are you up against? And I think it's really smart what you're saying about like, you know, what is the status making of the the festival? There's like the status making of the filmmaker. And there's also like the status making of like the n- nuclear family as like a, you know, as like a space of like securing a kind of genealogical relationship to property, you know, where it's like, I'm literally trying to be like, you know, this film isn't mine. This contract is meant to make it, is meant to create like an exchange of property. And they're like, yes, do that. (laughs) Because that is how they conceive of their responsibility as parents, as like part of this very common sense notion of like what a family is, is meant for. And of course there are many different ways of being a family and many, you know, I'm sure other, there are a lot of other families that like would have very different conversations mm-hmm. about it, but like within this kind of like white Southern family that I am belong to, um, you know, that I'm also having this hope that we can do a different structure. You know, we are very much like redoing a lot of the same, you know, sets of family making, like genealogy making, property making, um, you know, all of those things are happening. And like, yeah, it's interesting just to like look at it like materially where like it is, yeah, like to put it in a festival, like my name is assigned to it. We are the ones having the conversation. It's not me you and my parents. Um, that status making does happen. You know, that that property making, the genealogical transfer does actually take place on some level it like oscillates where it's like, it's, it's not about like cutting, cutting off the conversation at like, Oh, it failed or like, Oh, these structures like re- reasserted themselves. But it is also not to say like, Oh, this like attempt contravened the the other structures that were being made in that moment and that are continuing to be made by like how the film circulates in the world. Because of course that conversation was primarily a question of like, you know, what are we making now? And like, what will these sets of decisions do as the film continues to be made, like by every act of like circulation and um, reception? It's a particularly interesting place to consider it from within, I think, just in the sense that like, this is usually a document that like, you know, is like part of pre-production on a film or, or, you know, is like one of the first things that happens. And I like it for that reason, just because it's like it, points to the element of access that is about like preconditions, you know, um, and and I want to emphasize that like in terms of access around disability as well, um, or access in any sense, you know, access in terms of class, access in terms of race, like, you know, there there are all of these different relations of access that are running through any given structure. Um, But then there is also this bizarre temporal like dissonance between the time in which the contract is conceived and discussed and actually the time in which it becomes relevant or meaningful, um, you know, which is like after the film is finished, you know, and, and like after it's like circulating the world and like it's pointing to this weird d- dimension of any work of art that like is very hard to actually approach with intentionality which is that like you know you're not just making the film the film is also like being made in the world by however it however it circulates and so 
you know, I think that that is a lot of how I understand that scene now. Um, and it's something I'm still thinking about and something I still would really like to um, continue to work on. But I do think a lot of it has to do with, you know, what I, like, that's why I'm grateful for you to bring up this thing of like, you know, what are the the means by which the festival itself is made? And like it's it's contingency on certain structures that are very difficult to transform. Maybe it's a question of like, what are the conditions of possibility to then explore these ideas and, you know, be aware of like what other structures are being like made in the process. We're coming to a close, but I think it's a really beautiful circle with what we started with actually, and this role that your mum plays in the film of articulation, right? So there is this unseen, undervalued labour, which is about naming things and witnessing things, right? And in the world of filmmaking, in the world of festivals, we think we ascribe value to it, but actually we don't because it's only in certain contexts that that articulation is valued, right? Um, And I think there's something really connected to what we were talking about, about the role that your mum was playing, my own realisation that when I wrote about the film, that that wasn't something that, that... was easily graspable in this piece of text, but it's it's there all the time. Um, and I think that's what this film really did for me, was to just draw attention to that which is always there all the time, but we don't name, we don't witness, we don't care for, but it does that. Yeah, and like maybe it's too grandiose or, you know, it'll sound dissonant from what the film actually shows because there's so much, like, property, there's so many, like, enclosures. But I think that, like, that thing that's always there, like, is the common, you know? It's, like, it's the space of that which, like, can't actually be owned. It's such a simple thing to say, but it's, like, even if we're just talking about, like, our exchange right now, or exchange is maybe in the wrong word, but, like, our conversation you know, this will be like ascribed value in a particular kind of way and, you know, maybe like used, but like, there's just the part of it that like is invaluable to like us, <laughs> you know, that is just like common between us. And that is sort of the whole reason we're like sharing any of this stuff to begin with. Um, so. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that that name something as well at a time when actually so, you know, I'm speaking to you on the first day of the IRL festival and there's lots of um, ambivalent things about coming together during this time and absences that I felt really deeply. And But something that I've been sitting with in all of the really difficult times of putting the festival together is just the idea of ideas circulating as being just the, the thing that I care about in this work. Um and yeah, that can be through the, a conversation like this, but it can never be truly articulated in a piece of copy or, yeah, in a description of a film or, yeah, anything like that, it, that it's, it is, it's this exchange of a, kind of how you describe the finger over the lens, actually, like that there is bodily like elements to it. There is air, there is um, breath. There are words, but none of those things are everything, that it's all part of the whole and it's always there. Yeah, it's like, it's this cover where we overlap, (laughs) you know, yeah, and meet.
Thank you so much, Jordan. I'm so glad that we got to record this exchange. And I know that it's only one of like, hopefully like lots more. And have a really good day. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a really good day as well. This has been a really nice start to my day. So...